Welcome back to the Star Tribune's Talk and Preps podcast. This week, it's the Girls Basketball State Tournament Edition. I am very pleased to be joined by former coach and, and also two-time author, Carl Pearson. Welcome, sir. I'm pleased to be with you. Excited for the tournament. Yeah, for sure. I, um, we, we, you, you, your second book is, has come out recently, and I, looking at your tweets, it recently passed the 1,000 uh, copies sold milestone, so congratulations on that. It's called The Other Side of Glory, and it's published by Triumph Books. And I want to get to that book because I read it and I'm fascinated by it. And I also am, am really keen on getting your insights into the girls state tournament. And I thought we would start there. Yeah, let's do it. I'm, let's talk state tournament basketball. That sounds good. We get started this week on Wednesday. All of the games are played at a combination of Williams arena and the Maturi pavilion. Uh, we will start with class single a um, what can you tell me about the field? What any insight that you might have on a team or two that might be favored or, or might be someone to keep an eye on that that isn't getting the proper uh, attention right now? Well, I'll tell you this. I think that there are six teams that have a really good chance of winning the Class A state championship. And you don't you can't say that every year. Sure. Um, Mount Iron Buell is there year in and year out. Um, and I'm sure that Coach Buffetta is not thrilled to get Miniota in the first round. Um, I think that that's one of those deals where when you draw that sixth, seventh, and eighth seed, they certainly wouldn't have been the eight uh, if, if the coaches had voted. It's a, it's a very tough draw with two teams that have been perennially in the state championship game facing off in the first round. Um, Natalie Rolbiecki is the star for Miniota. The Rangers have the dynamic, dynamic duo of Sage Gagno and Jordan Zubic. So... That's going to be a fun one for fans to watch. Um, one of the fun things I like about the Class A tournament is when teams from opposite ends of the state meet up. And that's the case in the four versus five game when Cass Lake Bina and Hayfield meet up. Uh, Hayfield has two All-Staters on their roster and Kristen Watson and Natalie Beaver. But the Panthers are powered by All-State player Taryn Frazier and their only loss this year was to Mount Iron Buell by five. Uh, so, I mean, that, that shows you that Cass Lake Bina is certainly in the hunt as well. Uh, Mayor Lutheran, I think, will probably walk into the semifinals. I think that's probably going to be one of the lopsided games in the Class A tournament. United Christian Academy comes out of what I think, no offense, is the weakest section in Class A, and they just haven't seen a team as talented as Mayor Lutheran all season. So I, I think the Class A tournament, it's, it's going to be high scoring as opposed to some of the other tournaments that we see and, and a lot of really competitive games. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm just going to run down really quick the teams you mentioned. Mountain Iron, Mountain Iron Buell is the uh, for number one seed. Uh, Mayor Lutheran is the two. Hancock is the three. Cass Lake Bina is the four. And Hayfield is the five. And uh, that is your Class A bracket. Moving on to 2A, what, uh, what gets your attention here? Well, the top three seeds feature two powerhouse private schools, Providence Academy and Minnehaha Academy as the one and three seeds. And then wedged in between them is Fergus Falls. Uh, Fergus Falls is led by... Josh Steer in his first year taking over for Brad Strand, who did a great job with that program. And, and Coach Steer has, has picked up right where Coach Strand left off. Um, Fergus Falls plays Pequot Lakes, which means there's going to be at least one Northwest Minnesota team making it into the semis. Uh, Pequot's only loss this year was to Albany. So they're a one-loss team, and they didn't get seeded in the 2A state tournament. Again, that tells you about the strength of the field. Um, Ellie Colbeck for the Otters, 
one of the most explosive scorers in the state. She can put up 30 plus anytime she steps on the floor. So she's, she's going to be one to watch. Providence and Minnehaha have rosters just littered with talent. And I mean, division one college talent up and down. Uh, Providence came from what I consider the most talented section in class 2A. And they're led by Grace and Maria Counts combined with Madden Greenway. That's a formidable big three. And, and we know this from watching the NBA. If you have three star players, you have a chance to win it all. And, and Providence certainly does. Um, the crazy thing is, you know, all three of them made the 1000 point club in February, but Greenway is only in eighth grade. And so she's some, somebody that Minnesota girls basketball fans will be keeping an eye on for the next four years. Uh, one, of the, one of the most talented players we've seen come along in a long time. Uh, Albany daughter, daughter of, uh, I'm sorry to cut you off, but we, oh, be, sure. we didn't mention daughter of the former Minnesota Vikings linebacker, Chad Greenway. Correct. And I'll be honest with you, I, I kind of took for granted that I, I assumed a lot of fans would know that, but maybe that isn't the case. Um, and it, it certainly is worth mentioning. Um, Albany and Rochester Lords, I think, will be a very competitive game, at least on paper. You know, both have a big name star to lead them, Albany with Alyssa Sand and Lords with C.J. Adamson. So that's going to be a good four or five game. And then uh, I do think maybe the one mismatch here is Minnehaha against Lake Crystal Welcome Memorial. Um, I think I think I expect the, the Red Hawks will cruise behind Addie Mack. Um, if you look at their strength of schedule, Minnehaha, their losses have come to Hopkins, Como Park, Chaska, and Providence. So, I mean, they, they've played a brutal schedule and they've only lost to the other best state tournament teams in the field. Well, that, so that was just class two A. So we got two classes to go and, and I don't know, that's a class two A is going to be a tough one to follow, but how do you, how are you uh, looking at three A? Well, I think three A it's kind of Becker and then everybody else. I just think Becker is that much above all the other teams. I think after you get past Becker, uh, there's, there's very little that separates probably the, the second seed through the fifth or sixth. Um, but you will, we'll, they're all kind of fighting, at least the way I see it, for the right to lose to Becker in the state championship game. <laughs> Which uh, is remarkable they, because they, they just won it. And, uh, and well, excuse me. Uh, yeah, they did just, well, yeah, they just did just yep. win. I had to think about this for a second. They did just win it. And then they, they, they're right back on top of things. That's, that's a credit to the Bulldogs. Yeah, well, they graduated a really good player, but they returned a lineup full of just athletic scorers. Adeline sure. Kent and Marin Weston are, are just two examples, but the Bulldogs have at least five or six players that could go for double figures in any game. Hmm. Impressive. And then uh, the uh, the big show, the Class 4A state tournament. And uh, is it, you said you talked about 3A being everyone is lining up for the right to lose to Becker. Do you feel the same about Hopkins and 4A? Well, I should, because Hopkins, as always, has the deepest and most talented roster in the state, but they always have that, and they don't always win the championship. Right. And, and we've seen that off and on over the last several years. So uh, Najee, Battle, Woodson, they would step in and start for about 80% of the D1 teams in the country, from right. the way I see it. So, I mean, when you've got three D1, high-level D1 kids on your team, that's, that's tough to beat. But inevitably, teams find a way to do it. Um, when I look at the 4A field, I'll just tell you this. I think Shakopee is the best story in 4A. Uh, they came from, well, I'll give you this as an example. They were the number four seed in their section, and they're the number two seed at the state tournament. <laughs> and that's a testament to how strong section two 4A is. I mean, you've got Eden Prairie and Minnetonka and, and, and Prior Lake and, and uh, Chanhassen and Chaska. 
I mean, that was almost like a mini state tournament in and of itself. And the, the thing that really impresses me about Shakopee is out of, if you look at the 30 kids that are all state and all state honorable mention in 4A, 10 of them came out of section 2A. None of them are on Shakopee's roster. So Eden Prairie, Minnetonka, I mean, they've got four or five all state kids. Shakopee has zero. And they're the ones that are competing in the state tournament. So that's, a, I think that's a real testament to Coach Mitchell and just kind of this blue collar work ethic that he's instilled there with the Sabres. The, uh, and I think about the teams that have beaten Hopkins over the years, they tend to be senior dominated teams that, that don't beat themselves and they, they rise to the moment. I don't know how well you've analyzed the, the, exactly everyone's roster. So I don't mean to put you on the spot, but is there a team uh, in this field that fits that, that category? They're senior dominated. They're not going to panic. They're going to make Hopkins work and, and they're going to believe that they're in the fight. Well, I've, I've talked to a couple coaches that have agreed with my perspective on this. And I think that the toughest matchup for Hopkins is probably who they would see in the second round. And that's Rosemont. Uh, we saw Rosemont in the championship last year and they, they have a, they're known for their stifling defense. Um, mm -hmm. But they also have a, a couple star players and Alexa Ratlaff and, and Ty Leendertz. Uh, they're just a scary matchup for Hopkins. If, if Rosemont can get by White Bear Lake, uh, White Bear Lake has a terrific coach in Jeremy Post and his teams are always dangerous in March. But I think, I think the team that has the best chance to knock off Hopkins because of the contrasting styles of play would be the Irish. Sure. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, one of the things when I, when I brought in, I said author and, and former coach at Waconia, but I didn't mention your current title. Can you uh, uh, remind the folks uh, where, what the, 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 the uh, amount of uh, the, the ties that you still have to the basketball scene? Yeah, it's been three years since I coached, but I'm, I've been wearing the, the hat of the executive director of the Minnesota Girls Basketball Coaches Association, which sounds fancy, but it really just means I send out awards and write the checks. So um, it's, it's a nice title and it's a lot of work this time of year, um, which has graciously been taken on by some of the other people on our executive board as I've had some other things come up. But um, it's, it's been rewarding because it's been a way to stay connected to the game and, and, and stay around coaches. And I've really enjoyed it. Well, and your knowledge on the on the four fields is uh, speaks for itself. So well done on that. And uh, I wanted to move on and, and talk about your book, The Other Side of Glory. I, I, it's your second book. And I'm always curious, you know, I, when you finished your first book, uh, which for those that don't know, um, uh, you know, I, I closed. We're, we're going live without a net. So I just closed the, right. had the title of that first book. Can you remind the folks what that was called? Sure. It's called The Politics of Coaching. Thank you. <laughs> It, uh, I didn't want to hazard a guess at it. I just had to admit That's that okay. the jig is up. So I closed That's the okay. tab there. Um, what, what possessed you to write a, a, a second book? Um, and, and what, you know, what, what, you know, what did, what was the idea that you had that you felt like I've got something to say here. There's a good story here. How did that, that just finding that target develop? Well, it actually started when I was the head coach for Waconia. Um, we had several near misses where we, came a, a bucket away or a break or two here and there away from going to the state tournament. And in my eight years as the head coach here, I was reminded repeatedly that Waconia had never been to the state girls basketball tournament. And, and I'd heard all about the 30 years before I showed up and all the near misses that they'd had and all the heartbreak. And, and after going through some of it myself, um, the guy that was my JV coach at the time, a guy by the name of Dusty Nybauer, uh, he's a language arts teacher. And, and I told him, 
if we ever make the state tournament, we got to write a book about this because the, the, all the things that this community and this program have been through, and then to finally reach the pinnacle, uh, it, it would make for a great story. So I resigned, Dusty Nybauer takes over as the head coach. And, and in his first year, they finally get, get over the hump and make it to the state tournament. And I had the benefit of you know, being on the outside looking in now, and, and it made it a lot easier to write because then it doesn't sound like you're, you're self-congratulatory or something like that. It was, it was easy to remove myself from it and, and just tell the story. Yeah, you don't even mention your own name in the book. It's on the cover, but not, that's the only place. I thought that was kind of interesting. You made reference. Well, that was by design. That was by design. I, <laughs> you know, I, I had nothing to do with that state tournament team. I was just there to tell the story. So I, I was happy to do so. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll venture this though. Let's, let's talk about this in baseball terms for a second. Okay. So let's say you're pitching and you leave the game in the seventh, you're the starter, you leave the game in the seventh inning and there's two runners on base and there's, you know, one out you're still, those runners are still going on the, they're on, they're, they're on your statistics as far as if they score anything like that. So the book isn't closed on the starting pitcher until all of the players that, that were on the bases are gone. And so and I, I, I make the equation here to you still had your fingerprints all over this team. Uh, you, you'd worked with those girls for a number of years and, and you know, got kind of helped get them in, in some of their roles and everything else. I, I, I don't I, I think you were more of an insider than you give yourself credit for it. So to doing this book, was this a nice kind of a, a bow on your uh, coaching experience at Waconia because you, you got to see it through and chronicle it and, 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 and give it a tribute to these girls uh, and, and your coach that you'd worked with? You know, I, I think the way I've described it in previous interviews is it's almost, I, I see it as kind of like a, a love letter to the team because mm. I, I, I did appreciate and admire all of them so much. And, and it just, I, I'm, I'm grateful every day that I got the chance to tell that story, you know, that they did make it to the state tournament and, and that I got to uh, kind of, I don't know, immortalized might be too strong of a word, but I do think it's pretty cool that middle school and high school players for the next several years at least will be reading about these kids and their trials and tribulations and you know how they stuck together and finally reached that ultimate goal. I had a question for you, a kind of a stylistic question. You, you, I'm sure you talked to the, to the girls and, and some of the information in the book comes from them but you didn't go with things in their words. And I'm wondering why you chose to, to do it the way you did. Well, <laughs> some of it is just practical purposes where I did get some direct quotes that I could use. You know, it, it was kind of dialogue in locker room situations or team meetings. And so you see some of that integrated into the book, but all of the interviews that I did with them were done via email and text. Sure. Because um, they, I mean, they made the state tournament in the year that the world shut down, you know, just a right. couple of years ago when COVID hit. And so the state tournament gets canceled heading into the championship Saturday. And I sat down with the head coach, Dusty Nybauer, for four or five hours about three days later to kind of get his version of events. But then literally like a day after that, that's when the government says, all right, stay at home, 14 days to slow the curve and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, we were cut off from each other for, for months and months. So it was, it was not the easiest way to interview, 
but the thing I did appreciate about it is all of their responses I have in writing. So I didn't have sure. to like try to make notes as they were talking and maybe not get it just right. Uh, <laughs> I have things verbatim, but not everything is like directly quotable. So you didn't truly get to experience the hell of your average newspaper reporter then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how you guys do it, writing shorthand and stuff and um, how, how you're able to get pretty direct quotes because some people talk too fast for, for you to write. Yeah, yeah. Do a lot of recording and playing back. And, and yeah, that's that's for sure. You mentioned that this is a book that that kids coming up that are going to be Waconia players. And I should point out, too, I have pronounced Waconia correctly because of your book. Page 42. Oh, yeah. Page 42. I said, oh, I got it because I was in the Waconia crowd. Now, now I know better. So thank you for that education. I got chastised during my first year teaching here and, and, <laughs> and ridiculed for the way I pronounced it. So I learned real fast. You mentioned um, young girls coming up and, and really young boys too. I mean, I, this is, there's a universal quality to this book that if you're looking at, at the blueprint for building a team that can go to the state tournament, there's sacrifice, there's, there's tough moments, there's going to be adversity throughout the year and you don't shy away from any of those things. And it's, it's a very honest book. And I, I'm wondering if that's something that that a coach could pick this up and and use as a bit, little bit of a guide to to what it what it takes to to navigate through a tough season and, and to still come out where you want to on the other side. Yeah, I, I think that is the key takeaway for players, coaches, parents that read this book. That you know, you, you look at successful teams, the teams that we're going to be watching on TV and and seeing at Williams Arena here in a few days. And you assume, man, they had a great season. They were 28 and two and everything must have gone perfect. No, even the great teams deal with adversity and have struggles and have internal conflicts. And I think the, the, one of the big messages of this book is everybody goes through those things. It doesn't mean you can't reach the ultimate goal. And, and I think that the, this, this team of the Waconia Wildcats is symbolic of that. The other thing that I think is really neat, and I've gotten some feedback from people about this, is any player that picks this book up will be able to relate to somebody on the team. You know, there's, there's kind of the, the rising star freshman, sophomore that are maybe taking some minutes away from seniors, and that causes some conflict on the team, and how do they handle that? Um, there's a kid that's coming back from ACL surgery, and she's not sure she's ever going to be the same, and some of those mental struggles that a lot of players are dealing with. You've got the, the highly recruited D1 player that, you know, not every team has, obviously, but a lot of teams do. And, and what she's going through when it comes to recruiting and, and how is her performance in this game and that game of impacting how she's being recruited. And then to me, the, my favorite part of the story is a couple of the seniors that take secondary roles, that take, take lesser roles on the team for the good of the team and some of the struggle that they go through, but then how they realize in the end, it was all worth it. The sacrifice that they made on a personal level because they got to experience something with a team that no other group had ever experienced before. He is Carl Pearson. The book is The Other Side of Glory. It is a chronicling of the 2019-2020 Waconia girls basketball team, the first Waconia team to go to the state tournament, published by Triumph Books. Also should mention the forward is by WNBA champion, Lindsay Whalen. Nice get on that one, Carl. And uh, thank you for your work on the book. Thank you for your time and, and for your insights on the, this week's tournament. Enjoy the tournament, sir. 
I certainly will. And thanks for taking the time to visit with me. All the best as you continue to sell copies of this book. I, I think it's a wonderful read and I encourage folks to go out and get it. So thank you for joining us on Talking Preps with the uh, StarTribune.com.